your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. And hey, welcome to a Saturday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. With me, as always, Cami and Griffin. Follow her at Cami and G on Twitter. Also follow LO underscore Longhorns, which is our show Twitter account. Unfortunately, we couldn't do a Friday show, but we're bringing it to you on Saturday, so you have something this weekend. Kami, are you excited about a, a weekend edition of the Lockdown Longhorns? I am. It feels a little different, but since I um, kind of was doing my own thing the last couple of days, um, taking a break from everything, it kind of feels like it's still the week, like a weekday for me, I guess. It doesn't feel like a Saturday. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you were kind of you were kind of doing your thing, so. <laughs> You know, more power. Everyone needs everyone needs a break to get away sometimes. Yeah, I was actually thinking that sometime in the upcoming week, I'm gonna need to take a break from yeah everything. You know, kind of. Encur- yeah, I encourage everyone at least take a day or so away from work and just kind of uh, refocus and relax and get yourself together, and then uh, you feel much better after that. I think what I'm gonna do: turn off the phone and go out to the lake. Ooh, that'd be nice. Time there, you know, that's you know, kind of kind of thing I was. I was thinking about, thought it might be a good idea. But today we're going to get back into our time machine. It will be the final time that we do time machine. Today we're talking 2010. Let's do it. I'm excited for this. Okay, me. let's start off, as we always do, let's talk about TV shows that came out in the year 2000. Okay. Just to remind you, I wasn't a big TV girl, but I should recognize some of these. Do you recognize the name Gilmore Girls? Oh, yes. Uh Uh-huh. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Nope. CSI. Yes, I was actually big on CSI and um, all the crime shows like that. Malcolm in the Middle. Uh Uh-huh. Didn't watch it, but definitely popular. Uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Uh, Don't think I've actually ever heard of that. Well, that's like the Adult Swim stuff that comes on. Like Cartoon Network, like late at night. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I, I loved. It. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, even Stevens. Uh, um, is, I heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of a. I believe it's like Nickelodeon or Disney. I don't know. I, I didn't watch it, so you know, those are just mm-hmm. some of the shows. Not a whole lot of big name shows came out in the year two thousand. So we're gonna move on and talk some music, maybe some songs that you will recognize here. The number one song that year, Faith Hills Breathe. Oh, yeah, that was definitely popular. Oh, I love Faith Hill and Tim McGraw and all that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The Faith Hill song there, uh, Rob Thomas and Santana Smooth was number two that year. Okay. I wasn't big on it, but I, I can see why that was up there. Other songs that are on here, uh, Destiny Child's Say My Name. Yes, I could still jam out to that every single time it comes on. Uh, how about a group called Creed with Hire? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Destiny, I, I recognize Creed. Destiny Child also had Jumpin' Jumpin' that year, as well as a very underrated song with Cisco's The Thong Song. <laughs> yeah, I listened to that Thong Song a lot. I don't know why. It had a really good beat. It did have a really good beat. Uh, let's see here. He also NSYNC's Bye Bye Bye. Uh-huh. Everyone knows that song. It's Gonna Be Me. 
you know, the birthplace of so many memes yeah. for, for the yeah, month of May. <laughs> May. Yes. Um, uh, let's see. Backstreet Boys, show me the meaning of being lonely. Country mm-hmm. Grammar. By Nelly. Ooh, one of my top uh, Nelly songs, even to this day, probably. How about how about one of this is probably probably one of my favorite songs is All the Small Things by Blink 182. Yes. Me too. Yeah, so those are some of the big billboard hits in the year 2000. Now let's yeah. talk about some movies. Okay. You remember a movie called Coyote Ugly? I do. Almost I wasn't wasn't a huge fan of it, but I mean, who doesn't know of that movie? Almost famous. Um, can't say I remember that movie, but it sounds familiar. Gladiator. Okay, not the my Patriot. type of movie, but yeah. The Patriot. Mm-hmm. Castaway. Yep, Castaway is one of my top movies. Probably oh. top ten ever. Aaron Brockovich was another okay. top. That was movie. good. Scary movie came out that year. What was it? Oh, scary movie. That's the name of it. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were saying a scary movie. No, came scary out. movie, Cammy. I'm like, wow, that was a very uh your blonde um, is coming through thick this morning. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm not a movie girl. How about Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm, don't know if I watched it. I can't say that I did, but remember the Titans was also on that list. Oh yeah. That that one, I mean, we still talk about that to you and I. Yeah. Uh, it seems like quite often but i think that's one of the best football movies probably ever and it's funny for me because i was a titan in high school and so our uh, kind of saying was remember the titans and i graduated high school in 2007 so we're 007 and uh, remember the titans so that always makes me think of high school uh yeah it's one of those top it's not my favorite football movie mm-hmm. uh, but you know definitely up there uh, i think my favorite football movie Oh, I'm probably going to have to go with Varsity Blues. Ooh, that is a great pick. Okay, so I know I'm not a TV or movie person, but Varsity Blues, for some reason, I can remember pretty much everything about that movie. Yeah, I can watch it. It's one of those movies I can watch over and over. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit here about the year 2000 as far as what the Texas Longhorns football team did that year. This was the third season under Mack Brown when they went 9-3, and 7-1, in the Big 12, but they would finish second to Oklahoma, who was number one that year, and will go all the way to the national championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas would start out the season beating Louisiana Lafayette. They would lose at Stanford, then defeat Houston, Oklahoma State, before losing to Oklahoma 63-14 to in the Cotton Bowl. Ooh. Victories 63 to 14. Yeah, that's that's a rough one. And then they would go to Colorado, beat them, and then home against Missouri. Baylor beat them. Mm -hmm. Went to Lubbock to play Texas Tech. Went to Lawrence to play Kansas. Won both of those games. And then would return home for their season Mm -hmm. finale against Texas AM. That would be a 43 to 17 win for the Longhorns. Nice. That's what I'm talking about. They would play the number eight Oregon Ducks in the Holiday Bowl and would lose 35-30. to Some of the names that you might remember off this team. Quarterback Chris Sims. Mm-hmm. 
Wide receiver Roy Williams was a freshman that year. Wow. Corey Redding on defense. He was a sophomore. Okay. Those, those are some of the names there. Mm-hmm. Chris Sims and Roy Williams are definitely staples in Longhorns history, at least. Yeah, I mean, they're very recognizable. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Sims is the son of former Super Bowl winning quarterback Phil Sims. Yeah. A lot of people weren't um, huge fans of him as a player there at the time, but um, obviously his name is uh, very popular, and Roy Williams um, obviously holds most records, uh, receiving records, I guess, at Texas. So, yeah, I don't know why, but for some reason I always think Roy Williams is older than he actually is. I'm not sure why that – anyways. Yeah, I think wasn't – I was trying to think back in the Chris Sims era – wasn't that about the same time uh, Major Applewhite? Yeah. So, yeah, my dad always uh, – we always went back and forth on this. So he always thought Applewhite should be playing and um, Chris Sims was a starter. So, yeah, it was a big debate at the time. Yeah, I was going to say, I always remember Applewhite being in the mix there. Um, yeah. It's kind of interesting because it seems like when – I guess before the time of – Vince Young and Cole McCoy, it was always like when people talked about quarterback at Texas, they always talked about major. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because that's kind of the, I guess, not in our era, obviously, but um, each time I talk to uh, people about the past of Texas Longhorns football and things like that, nearly every single time someone brings up Major Applewhite and um, how I guess how smart he was and how he should have had more playing time and things like that. But yeah, it's funny how um, he's one of the most popular, or I guess, talked about names in history of Texas football. Yeah, I mean, talking about a guy who was, you know, Big 12 Freshman of the Year in 98, Co-Offense Player of the Year in 99, Holiday Bowl MVP in 2001. But in 2000, they wanted to go with Chris Sims. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that just goes to show you that, you know, sometimes you just got to be patient and get your time. Uh, so that was the year 2000. Mm-hmm. All right, coming up next, we are going to get into some 2020 football talk, what the governor is doing, and a certain Longhorn on a particular watch list. We'll get into that next. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is changing the game in the energy bars. They have made it a very tasty candy bar that's healthy for you. No gritty taste. No aftertaste, no chalky taste. I don't have to chase it down with water. Mint brownies, one of my favorite. I want you to try it out yourself, though. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. They're going to give you $10 off your first box. You can get a box that's already put together or one with your own flavors. Try coconut. Try the peanut butter brownie. They're fantastic. They have so many flavors. Check them out, and you won't be disappointed. But, again, go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. Let me know what you think. Let's talk about the football season coming up. Let's do it. Okay, so with with the um, governor coming out and saying that they're raising the capacity that you can have in a stadium in the state of Texas, were you at all shocked by that considering it was just a week ago that we were talking about a stadium with 25% capacity? And now yeah. it's moved up. Not, I actually wasn't too, too shocked. I mean, I know they're kind of bumping up the phases or at least some governors and states are, but um, I, once they kind of were talking about increasing the capacity at restaurants, which is primarily inside, obviously, um, I kind of felt like if you're in a 
outdoor stadium that large, um, I I think it's not any different, or I guess you're not more susceptible to uh, getting uh, impact by that outbreak than you are of being in a restaurant, just my opinion. So I wasn't too surprised, but I definitely think that's a, a positive step forward in terms of all of college sports, not just football. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I thought it was funny that, you know, and, you know, I, I was talking with some people about it and they go, is this open air stadiums? But it doesn't seem like it's only limited to the open air stadiums because they were talking about the Mavericks and, and the Rangers mm-hmm. and the Cowboys who all play inside. And so. But can't the I mean, Cowboys just take the roof off? Does that classify well, I mean, as technically? It's technically so good. The Rangers, they have a retractable roof as well. So, yeah, yeah uh, I mean, so I, I was kind of curious about that. Uh, so we're going with 50 now. Okay, so now we're getting closer to 100%, right? We're halfway there. And it feels yeah. like with the way that they're rolling out these phases that it won't be too long before it's at 100%. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I mean, that's a – I would be more shocked about the 100% than I am about 25, 50, or 75 or anything like that. I just don't see it being 100% at any point during this season, but – um, I, I guess that's just because we're riding on the heels of knowing a couple of football players were recently um, tested positive for it. So I don't know. I think it's a uh, too big of a step to maybe go 100 percent. But um, I think 50 or 75 is uh, fairly realistic. Yeah. Oklahoma State recently had I believe it was five players tested positive for mm-hmm. the COVID-19 coronavirus. Alabama also had a player test positive. You know, we're going to hear more and more about that. And I think, you know. That's going to be that's going to be huge. Obviously, um, that's something they're going to have to monitor and and whatnot. But I just feel like 100 percent is not something that's out of reach based on you know the way that these are going and and maybe it's not the smartest move uh, depending on how you feel about the pandemic and 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 whatnot. But it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. But 50 percent, 50,000 people at Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium can definitely make some noise. I agree. And, you know, the 50 percent that are there are going to be um, at least attempting to be loud. They're going to be super fans or family or uh, relatives or things like that. So um, I think any fans in the stands at this point is a positive note, because how many are I guess how many times did we discuss how there would be no fans in the stands? So um, I think the players, staff, uh, other fans watching on TV, whatever, are going to be happy with any amount of fans. Yeah, so let's talk about the 2020 season. Okay. Jamie, did you know that we are 91 days away from kickoff? I can't wait. I hope it stays 91 days away and doesn't get prolonged or anything, but I hope I'm very it, uh, excited. We need football. You mean you hope kickoff happens in 91, day, 91 yes. days? Not that we stay on the countdown that far. Okay. Yes. Just trying yeah. to clarify there. I hope it stays in 91 days in terms of it doesn't get pushed back at all. Right. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, NCAA president Mark Emmert came out and I guess he had a conversation with other sports commissioners with Congress and told them that they could shorten this, the college football season. You know what's funny about that, Cammy? What? Is Mark Emmert has zero power when it comes to college football in the FBS. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, the shortened 
uh, schedule doesn't really make much sense to me. I mean, I would rather uh, go a different route in terms of no fans in the stands if you're um, that worried about a particular uh, month when you think there could be another outbreak or anything like that in the colder weather in the winter months. But um, didn't they already say that basically Texas's semester is going to end around Thanksgiving anyways? So um, they're taking, I guess, safety precautions ahead of time by doing things like that. So I don't think there's necessarily need right now to shorten the season at all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's to me it's it's a dumb thing to say. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're going to shorten their semesters. Um, you know, they're going to phase in the players. We know that upperclassmen are going to show up on June eighth, start practice on June fifteenth. Lower the uh, underclassmen are going to show up on June fifteenth. So they're they're working on some things to phase these guys in to get them ready. But yeah, the the whole point of him even saying that it's like we all know the conference commissioners are the ones who run college football. Right. Uh, and then that's why they allow them to, you know, schedule their own non-conference. And obviously the conference will decide, you know, when they play the conference games. So mm-hmm. I, I just thought it was funny, I, but I don't see the point. Like, like we've been saying multiple times and, and have brought up, if it's safe for the players, then it's going to be safe for everybody. Right. I agree. And so shortening the season is really not going to like, to me, it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't I don't see the point in doing all of that. But let's talk about Joseph Asai, who was added to a particular watch list. Yes, I'm pumped about him this season. But, um, yeah, I think it just shows that he's expected to become one of the nation's top defensive players in 2020, um, especially under new defensive coordinator Chris Ash. But he was actually named to the preseason watch list for the 17th annual Lott Impact Trophy Award, which is um, named after Pro Football Hall of Fame member Ronnie Lott. Um, it's actually given to the college football's Defensive Impact Player of the Year. So obviously that's very high honors. And the Impact Award basically stands for integrity, maturity, performance, academics, community, and tenacity. So um, I think that's a prestigious award. It's a very high honor, like I mentioned, and it just goes to show the hype surrounding Osai heading into his junior season. It definitely does show the hype surrounding him, and, the, and there's going to be a lot of hype when it comes to to him and, and what he should do on that defense. But coming up next, we're going to get into Athlon Sports, all Big 12 team, mostly the first team, and we're going to go back into the time machine as we talk 2010 Texas Longhorns. So Athlon Sports came out with their all-conference Big 12 team. And no shocker, Sam Ellinger was your first-team quarterback. Yeah, I think that's a no-brainer. Obviously, he's a senior quarterback. He's the most experienced, um, not just that, but he's one of the top quarterbacks in the nation, not just the Big 12. So, uh, yeah, that's a for sure sure bet there. I don't think anyone really came close to that. I think they could have made a conversation for Brock Purdy, uh, but I still think – Ellinger is the top guy. Mm -hmm. And then you had Sam Cosme, obviously no shock there. Yeah. He's going to be a first round draft pick as long as everything goes well this season or he stays consistent. So um, that was definitely a no brainer as well for me. And then you had Joseph Asai, who we were just talking about as the lot impact watch list player. Now this one one surprised me. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking, because I think this pick is more of a um, a hype pick (laughs) surrounding him. I don't think um, it's necessarily what he's done already. I think it's what they're expecting him to do. So that's an interesting pick for me. Yeah, especially given how how he performed in the 
in the Valero Alamo Bowl. You know, so I mm-hmm. think that there are those high expectations that he's going to do that. Uh, obviously, you want to talk about a player that surprised me. I thought Caden Stearns would be on the first team defense, and instead they went with Deshaun Jamison, who's on this list three times. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to take away from Jamison because I think he's expected to have um, a breakout type of year or a very solid year, I could say. But I am surprised a little bit about Caden Stearns because I always uh, harp on how I think uh, he's one of the best players on that entire roster. He just can't stay healthy and consistent. So I think that was probably the only reason. But if he has a big year and stays healthy and can somehow play that full season, then he could wind up being a top draft pick as well. Yeah, he definitely can. Uh, I think he's been, you know, we talked a little bit, you know, post-draft and some of the players that, that could be in line for a first-round pick. Caden Stearns, obviously, was one of those guys, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So he's definitely in the running there. Uh, just like I said, I was just a little shocked. Not that I don't think Deshaun Jameson is worthy. I just thought if you only chose four that it would have been Caden Stearns. But, you know, they Longhorns ended with 16 selections. Mm-hmm. Finishing behind Iowa State at 17 and Oklahoma at 18. But overall, you have to, it has to give you some sense of excitement for obviously the Texas Longhorns having that many players who Athlon Sports thinks is worthy of all Big 12 honors. Yeah. And second team included Brennan Eagles, wide receiver, Caden Stearns, that we just mentioned, safety, Cameron Dicker, the kicker, and uh, Jamison again as punt returner. So I think it's, uh, fairly realistic. Um, Brennan Eagles is obviously supposed to be uh, or expected to be um, one of the top receivers for Texas this season. We mentioned how talented Caden Stearns is. Cameron Dicker is um, kind of a no-brainer for me. Um, you could probably argue his case for being first team all Big 12. And then obviously we mentioned Jamison. He's just so uh, versatile. So I think it's it's pretty solid for Texas. I'm a little shocked that Iowa State kind of had more players selected, but um, they're obviously uh, very well coached and expected to be one of the top teams in the Big 12. Absolutely. Uh, was there a name that was not listed there that you were, like, not surprisingly, but a name that you think will be there towards the end of the season? Uh, yeah, Jake Smith, slot receiver. Okay. I'll go with Jordan Whittington. Okay. <laughs> no. It's funny because everyone on Twitter, when they're talking about who will lead um, – Texas and receiving this year and everyone's answer is whoever wins the slot competition, but no, I, I, I just, I just really think uh, Jake Smith's going to go off this year. So I'm a little surprised and, and just kind of of what he was able to do as a true freshman sitting behind DuVernay. Um, he was obviously solid there. Didn't really make any mistakes. So I don't know. I think he's going to have a much, much larger role this season and should uh, kind of surprise some people. He definitely well could. Okay. So the 2010, we're going back to the time machine here, Cammy. 2010 was a forgettable year for the Texas Longhorns. Gosh. This was the year after the oh, loss. Oh, gosh. This, is the, this began the quarterback, Rhett, huh? Yeah, this was the uh, – they were 5-7 and seven that year under Mack Brown in his 13th year. Offense coordinator was Greg Davis. Defense coordinator was Will Muschamp. Mm-hmm. And they went 5-7 and seven that year after starting out 3-0. and oh. And – Yes, this was the first. This was the first year under Garrett Gilbert as a quarterback. Oh yeah, and so it was a very forgettable, forgettable. Yeah, I think this was the beginning of uh, Mac Brown's kind of downfall at Texas. It was kind of what started all the whole quarterback rut situation that they went through for several years before uh, basically Sam Ellinger came along. But yeah, I don't. 
it's it's just hard because I guess their expectations for Garrett Gilbert were so high. Um, he was obviously a highly, highly rated recruit. I believe he was a five-star. And um, he just kind of got thrown in there too early in that national championship game on that type of stage. And I think that just kind of uh, triggered his downfall um, as a player at Texas as well. So I don't know. It was unfortunate. But, yes, you're right. It definitely wasn't one of their best seasons. Definitely not. Here were some of the names that were on that team. Mike Davis. Mm-hmm. Marquise Goodwin. Ooh, Speedy. John Childs. Mm-hmm. You also had Garrett Gilbert and Case McCoy as your quarterbacks. Spazzy Whitaker, Trey Newton, DJ Monroe were your running backs. Mm. Justin Tucker was your kicker. Yep. Justin and backup Tucker. punter. Yeah, I was like, Justin Tucker might have been their best player at the time. Yeah, so that was uh, uh, the other names that were assistants that were on the staff. Obviously, Oscar Giles, who's still there. Mm-hmm. Bruce Chambers was your recruiting coordinator. Major Applewhite was the assistant head coach, along with Dwayne Aquina, mm-hmm. Will Muschamp, and Greg Davis. Definitely not a year many want to remember the 2010 Texas Longhorns football team. Yeah, and honestly, uh, for several seasons after that, I'd kind of say we're on the same path as that. I mean, there was a couple of big wins here and there, but um, overall, uh, the results just weren't there. Yeah, I know 2011 was the following season. It was a little bit better. It was that eight and five, you know, year. They won the Holiday Bowl against California that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, following that, it just it never seemed to all click for Texas. Yeah, I think that the primary highlight within, um, I guess, that span of maybe five to six years or so was when Texas beat uh, Texas A&M, and I was actually Case McCoy and Justin Tucker. So I think that was the primary highlight. Otherwise, it was just kind of blah. Yeah, it was it was very blah. But uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. For Tammy, I'm Patrick. We'll see you on Monday. Welcome. Okay.